You know, Dano Seasoning is changing the world one table at a time by offering the best all-natural low-sodium seasoning products on the market. Dano's goals are to provide you with real flavors to make healthier food choices without ever having to sacrifice the real taste. Dano's includes low sodium, which is only 50 milligrams per serving. It has all natural unrefined sea salt. There's no sugar, no MSG, no chemicals, and it's completely gluten-free. Also, there's 100% natural ingredients. Dano's seasoning is the most versatile seasoning on the market. Grill, smoke, bake, create soups, sauces, marinades. You can also sprinkle Danos on your eggs, your potatoes, maybe some pizza, maybe some pasta, and even while you're watching a movie, sprinkle some Danos on popcorn. Heck, if you're crazy, why don't you put some Danos on ice cream? Any food that exists, you can put some Danos on it. Go to danosseasoning.com, use my promo code HodgePodge, capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. Guys, remember to do that. Um, just like the spelling of the podcast, a capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. You can try all three flavors, which include original, spicy, and hot chipotle right now today. It's damn good. Yum, yum. Get you some. podcast i'm your host as always dylan hodge but you guys already know that i'm on instagram and i'm on twitter and i am mr dylan hodge thanks for listening to the podcast today thanks for clicking on it streaming on it watching it over on youtube wherever you are today no matter what day it is i thank you for clicking on my face on the podcast and listen to this perhaps you're a fan of the guests or perhaps you're just a fan of the podcast, um, whichever it may be, I'm grateful that you're here. Uh, cheers to, to to cheers to all the success that everyone is going to have in the future. No matter if you're a garbage man, but guess what? You're going to be successful as that garbage man. Just a little um, announcement here before we get on with the podcast, and that is movie reviews will be making their return next week on the podcast um so stay tuned for that i was gonna do it up this week um and i may actually do a couple on wednesday um but wednesdays are dedicated to um rewind episodes here of the podcast um so we may we may drop a couple here and there throughout the week um this week um but they are scheduled to make i know last week i said it was gonna be this week but the movie reviews are scheduled to make their infamous return here on the HodgePodge podcast. Um, so join me every Monday and Wednesdays for the Flashback Rewind episodes. Uh, but it's Monday today when I'm recording this, when I'm doing this podcast. So you know what that means. We've got Chelsea on the podcast. Uh, she simply spells her name, the band name, C-H-L-S-Y. And she joins me today to talk about the band's new upcoming EP, Quantum Entanglement, which is releasing everywhere 
music is available on September 9th. She talks about their new single, 555, which is also available right now. Um, but it's cool because we have we have a long and in-depth conversation um, that was very, very interesting to me because it's hard for me to have open and honest conversations with people. Um, and I feel that I kind of let some of the emotion, the emotional stories that I've kept in out in this podcast. Um, but she chats about being sent to live with her aunt and uncle in Spain, um, living with her band currently right now in Nashville. She talks about, do they love each other or do they just really hate each other because they're living with each other? Um, the formation and the genesis of Chelsea is also discussed. We also review the brand new Elvis biopic by Boz Lerman. You've heard me um, review it on the podcast before, but we go in depth and kind of discuss why we think it could be one of the greatest movies to ever be made. Um, we share bullying stories, and she talks about why she will not ever go back to her high school. Um, we talk impulsive decisions, all that and more right here, right now on the HodgePodge podcast. <laughs> Yeah, I can hear you and I can see you. I don't know. Last time we were trying to do this, my audio inputs just went absolutely crazy. So it was like I couldn't hear you. You couldn't hear me. I don't know what was going on, but um, luckily we got it fixed this time. So, but thanks for being here. Thanks for doing the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm excited. Yeah, your uh, your people were asking me, you know, um, and and I find it funny because it's like, do you do audio or do you do both audio and video? And sometimes I do both, you know, but sometimes other people are comfortable, and then I'm like, well, let's just try the video, and then I'm like, oh, that's why you just wanted to do <laughs> audio because you don't have a great setup, but you have a pretty simple setup that you just where are you at your living room uh, recording studio. Yeah, I'm just in our like home studio. Yeah, very just just a very simple place where it's quiet and and all that yeah. stuff, which is very um which which is enjoyable. So you have a home studio kind of is that always been like a dream to have a home studio where you don't have to leave to record? Yeah, honestly, it's been really it's been really nice. We still record our drums at um our friend's studio cuz they have all the like soundproofing and correct mics and we don't have that for drums we don't have enough mics to mic up a whole drum set but we we record everything else here and when you're doing that kind of i guess just kind of jumping into the podcast here you know um so when you're just recording at home kind of what's is there a different feeling than when you're recording in an actual recording studio besides your home studio yeah, you have totally. to feel more comfortable. Uh, I, I, I feel you have to be more comfortable because you can record in pajamas if you wanted to, you know. Yeah, I feel like we're, it's definitely more comfortable and it's nice because like we all are my band lives together. So okay. like we can we're all we can all be present while we're recording and stuff. But it's definitely a different feeling than like being in a studio which I feel like has more of like a magical feeling like you knock out all of your parts in one day or two days and it feels more like 
you know, we're more like spaced out when we record. So like I, we might record my guitar parts one day and then bass like a couple weeks later. And it, so it's like, it's definitely, I don't know, it's a little lonelier recording at home, but it's, um, you know, you get the studio magic when you're in the studio. So you live with your band and you yeah. guys are a band. So, I mean, I can only imagine what you guys must either really hate each other to live together or really love each other to live together. Yeah, I feel like they they feel like my family, like we get along really well and it's really, really nice to live with them. And um, we also live with our friend Kyle and it's an awesome, awesome living situation. We all work really well together and live really well together. So it's just really easy. So you, 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 I was looking at some of your information and we'll kind of come back to the living with the band thing, but you were born in Massachusetts, but then you moved to, to, to Spain. Is that right? Kind of what, what's, yeah, so, what's that story? <laughs> so my mom is from Spain. So I kind of grew up spending my summers there. And then when I was in eighth grade, they like, my parents were like, you have to go live in Spain with your aunt and uncle. So I lived there and then while I was there, every, my whole family moved to California. So when I came back, we were in California. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. So so you were in eighth grade, your parents kind of fresh prince of Bel Air you to, to Spain. <laughs> what, what was the reason behind, oh, you have to go live with, with, with your aunt and uncle? Um, I think they wanted me to learn the language and um, get more of a feel for the culture and spend time with my family there. And I'm really glad that I did because now I can speak Spanish and I'm close with my family out there. How long were you, how long were you there in Spain? Um, I don't know. Was it a I while? I was so young. So it felt like a century cause I was so like, I was so young, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, I felt, I think, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like a school, school year. Okay. So, so you weren't there four or five years. You were there pr pretty much like a, maybe like eight nine mm -hmm. months pretty much yeah 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 yeah. so it was a great time um my aunt like taught me like the, my the only reason that this my school let me go was if I read a couple books that were required and so my aunt kind of like taught me school got you so when you come back and then now you're in California so you leave Spain and now you come back your parents have moved from Massachusetts to, to to California without you you come to California just for forget for a second that you were just leaving one country for another and not coming back to the place that you've known but now you leave uh, the country to go to Spain a whole different world that you've never been to then just to leave and go to a whole nother world that you've never been to. Yeah, it was crazy. Honestly, I feel like that time frame was really hard for me as a kid. Cause I feel like when you're that age, you kind of need stability. And my life was not very stable until like a couple years ago. And so it's been really nice. Like living with my band has been the most like calm, stable living situation I've ever had in my life. And I think that's why I enjoy it so much. When did you leave home and did you go to college after you left home? Yeah. Yeah. So I left um, when I was 18 and I moved to Nashville and I went to Belmont for, um, well, I guess I graduated Belmont last year, 
And I met the, met the guys in my band at Belmont. Um, yeah, and, and then uh, we all moved in together um, like right when we graduated. Oh, so so you're Nashville based. So like you went to Belmont, Nashville. So you're you're in Nashville. Okay, I didn't I didn't realize that. So kind yeah, of yeah yeah yeah. So coming from California, is there now? Obviously, if you're moving to Nashville, there's country roots a little bit. I, I would assume. So kind of, where does the country music roots come from in your on your side of the family? Um, you know, I think. That's a good question. I think, honestly, no one in my family listened to country when I was growing up. It was more um, like my dad was really into punk rock and my mom listened to like Madonna. Um, and so then, you know, I kind of, while I was working here, I, initially I wanted to make pop music when I came to Nashville. Um, but then I started working with Dave Day, and I realized that I really liked this like Western Spanish sounding uh, kind of country vibe which I did like a whole EP of um and I think it, I think that those kind of like western sounding country roots came from um my Spanish side for sure so you go to let's just say you're, you're in Belmont right you're going to college what's what's the dream in Belmont is it always to be a singer was it just to write music kind of what did you go to Nashville to Belmont for yeah, I think, um, so I studied songwriting and music business um, and I wanted to, I was, I mean, I just really love words and I really love writing and I wanted to be a writer. Um, I wanted to be a songwriter when I went to college, uh, but then I really, I realized I really, really love performing and like live shows and with the type of music we make, like the energy and like, people at those shows are just so fun and inclusive and kind and non-judgmental and it's such like a great environment that I realized like I really love the performing aspect of music and I also love writing because it's so healing you know. Do you remember the first concert that you've ever been to? Um, yeah so actually this is kind of crazy I really didn't go to a lot of concerts growing up, I went to like Taylor Swift and Drake. And, um, you know, I wanted to. My ex-boyfriend in high school was in like a punk band. And so I went to some of his concerts and ran the merch table. And that was kind of like the first taste that I got for that scene. And I loved it. It was so amazing. Um, but then there was like a, a gap, like a seven year, six year period where I didn't go to any concerts like that until a couple a couple years ago um and it just feels like so nice to be back in that scene and like listening to that music because that that's the kind of music I love and recently I went to the Beach Bunny concert at Brooklyn Bowl and that was like the best time I've ever had in my life we were all moshing it was amazing man that moshing is a little crazy huh <laughs> There's yeah. no way. There is no way I'm doing that. I'm I'm usually in the nosebleeds or the halfway point because I'm like I'm not getting trampled. I'm not. I, I'm not gonna fight somebody. <laughs> yeah, is, no, you, it's. Yeah, you're gonna have to be a little crazy to do the moshing. Yeah, no, it's total. It's really intense, and I feel like 
I'm at like most people's like elbow height. So it, it's really scary when I'm in the mosh pit. You were at the mosh pit for the, the, the beach bunny. Mm -hmm. So what is, what is exactly the beach bunny? I don't know if I've ever heard of that. I don't think. Yeah. Beach bunny is kind of, um, an, an up and coming band, but I feel like they've, Oh, okay. It's a band. It. Okay. I thought the thought was like some yeah. type of a festival. No, no. Yeah. It's a band. Okay. They're based out of Chicago. You should check out their music. They're really awesome. What are they like? Is it punk rock? I assume since you're moshing. Yeah, it's like punk rock, um, but more melodic. I don't, yeah, it's more, it's kind of like pop punk. Okay. Pop punk, so, but not pop punk. <laughs> so it's kind of, is, is it, is it Green Day Dookie or is it another type of punk? Put it that way. Um, yeah, I feel like it could totally fall in that sort of vein. Um, the vocals are just more like, dainty than green day if that makes sense mm -hmm. like a they're, they're like a good charlotte lyricist with green day music yeah yes remember good charlotte back in the day back when they were on their hay rise with like the anthem they were they were like a legit band that were that were damn good and then they just like fell off the map in you know, three or four years afterwards <laughs> So when I, I kind of want to know when you're, when you're writing music, usually what comes first, the melody or the lyrics? Yeah, I think for like the longest time it was um, melody. I would start writing on my whatever instrument and then I would write a melody and then lyrics. Um, but, you know, as I've gotten more into writing poetry, I've always really been into reading poetry but I've always been afraid to write poetry because I felt like I wasn't good enough or I wasn't uh, like deep enough or I didn't have good enough vocabulary. But since I've started writing poetry, I, uh, I've been using those as a lot of lyrics. So like we have a song out called Garden and that was all from a poem I wrote. And so it really just depends on the situation, I guess. So let's talk about the band. It, it, the band is called Chelsea. Your name's Chelsea, so I'm assuming you're the you're the front woman of the band. Um, kind of talk about the formation of the band and kind of you know the the path that's headed. Yeah, so um, I met Sawyer, who's our drummer, when we were in school, and we played music together like pretty much throughout college. Um, when I was making more like pop music and that like Western sounding music. And then um, I met Sean who plays bass when Sean is friends with Sawyer. And so uh, we all just decided to move in together. So I met Sean like basically when we moved in to, to live together and he ended up joining the band and playing bass. And um, yeah, ever since then, it's been really great. We were called American Gothic for like a summer and then we were like nah we should go back to being called Chelsea and so here we are what was kind of the inspiration behind the the name of the band so actually I my like project my like pop kind of like western sounding project was just called Chelsea um spelt the then, same way the band is or spelt like a like a first name yeah, it's built the same way. You can, okay. it's still up actually under our name. Um, but 
you know, when we decided to switch the name from American Gothic to Chelsea, we we were just kind of like, well, like, what should we rename our band? And then we were like, well, I guess Chelsea already has listeners, so we should just go with that. And that was kind of our thought process. Can you remember when you first started music and you started putting music out there, can you remember the first time you got like a positive comment versus the first time you got a negative comment kind of what that was, you know, kind of, because I get those all the time. I get emails and they're like, man, that, that episode was great. Or, and then, and then you'll get one. And it's like, man, you suck at your job. Once you go hang yourself or something, just, just something crazy that people don't give a crap about, you know? And it's like, but you take that to heart. And you're like, wow, maybe I should really listen to what the haters are saying. But then once you know, you're doing that, you're kind of chasing a never ending trail. Well, for starters, I think you're doing a great job. I think you're really great at what you do. <laughs> so I appreciate that. The haters can go go away. Um, but no, I think, you know, um, I've always kind of like, I've always had haters since I was like young. Like people have just like not liked my vibe since I was a little kid. And so I kind of just like, learned not to care really what people thought of me. And I think that's the beauty of music is that it's so, it's so subjective that like, who cares if someone doesn't like your song, you know? That's like, they don't have to listen to it. There's so many people that do like your music and, and will like your music. Um, that's what I think is so beautiful about music is that there's so much of it. And uh, it really doesn't matter if one person doesn't like it. And I think people really, um, get too comfortable hiding behind their screens. And I think they don't realize that the person that they're looking at is also a person. And so it's just like an easy way to let their anger out. But, you know, I found like, I've responded to a couple of hate people on like TikTok. And anytime I respond to them and I'm like, just like hear them out or like listen to them, like if they say some hate, I'll be like, oh, thank you. Thank you for the advice. They're like, you know, just like hear them out. That's all they want. They just want to be heard. And then they're super nice after that, um, which is kind of crazy. I think it just it just makes me realize that people just really need to be listened to and want to be heard. And yeah, in our society at the moment, like everyone has a really hard time listening to each other. You know, like when you're in a conversation, you're you're like forming what you want to say back or what you want to ask them. You're not even fully present. And so I think, and then, you know, you throw social media in and, and it's like our, our attention spans are so short that we can't pay attention for like long conversations. Like, I mean, I can't even sit through a movie anymore, but like, it's uh, <laughs> people just, they just want to be listened to at the end of the day. And, and that's kind of how I've dealt with hate and, um, I remember the first like positive comment I got was just when I was like first starting to play music, like people were just so nice because I was so young and I was a little kid and you know, like everyone's very encouraging of little kids. And so that really, really motivated me to like pursue music. I think if I didn't have the support of my family, I don't think I would be making music today. Um, and they've been so supportive the whole time that I've been making music, which has been really, really nice. Um, and uh, I remember the first time I got, hey, it was intense hate. I was getting like death threats, mm. um, like a lot. 
in my DMs and I did not know how to deal with that. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like people are wild, but I just kind of ignored them. And um, when they're that intense, you just have to ignore them. But you know, when it's just like someone that's like, your song sucks, then you can just be like, oh, okay. I understand it's, you, you don't have to, it's okay. You don't have to like it. And then they're like, oh, well, thank you for listening to me, you know? Yeah, people, but I also look at it this way. When people hate, that means that you've done something that is getting yeah. attention from both sides. And you're like, damn, maybe I am doing something the right way because now you're getting people that are like, you know, like, for example, you were, you were talking about how the first time you got in, you were just commenting on them. You know, I was, I, it reminds me of like when Elvis Presley, when he was, you know, getting, getting massive and he started selling merchandise and he would sell, I hate Elvis Presley buttons or I hate Elvis Presley t-shirts. And the reason yeah, behind it was, that. was, Hey, look, once you make money from the people that are going to hate you because they're supporting you either way, because they're going to buy this, I hate Elvis Presley button, you know? So yeah, I always, Literally, I always that go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, we we also, recently I watched the Elvis movie and um, I saw that too. And I was like, oh my God, that's that's amazing. I'm going to, I want to do something like that. So we started printing um, like coasters mm. or not coasters. The like thing that goes around like a, a cold beverage, a koozie. Yeah, we started printing koozies that said Chelsea is mid and those sold right. out immediately they're all gone <laughs> just because it's kind of funny honestly right, to have yeah. a koozie that says chelsea is mid you know um yeah. but yeah that's i i love that idea and um that's something that i kind of recently realized too is like you're like die hard haters are your biggest fans they're the right. ones that'll be in, in all your comment sections they're the ones right. that'll that'll be tagging their friends like they are your biggest fans because like if someone's taking time out of their day to actively hate on you that means they just actively support you you know right. they're just and, they're just right. that person that's getting you more likes and views right you know i'm gonna you, you mentioned you watched the elvis movie and um what's cool for me is um and i'm gonna give these people a shout out i had somebody on the podcast i mean years ago three or four years ago and they hooked me up with these people and these people give me these like I get free movies all the time. Like they would just send me, so I don't have to go to the theaters and watch it because I review movies on the podcast, right? Well, that's sick. I went and watched Elvis when it first came out because I am the biggest Elvis fan you could ever meet. Like it's just the obsession that I have with Elvis is like completely. People would think I was chaotic just to just to imagine the obsession really? that I have with him. So when I went and saw it, I was amazed. I was like, damn they did this movie justice exactly what it's supposed to be, you know? And then I was watching it last night um, here at the house and um, my brother wanted it. So I, you know, emailed it over to him and I was like, Hey, check it out. He's just, he, he likes a couple of Elvis songs. And then he was like, man, the movie, eh, it was, it wasn't as good. You hyped it up. So I want to know from a perspective of yours, what was the movie to you? Because were you just a diehard Elvis fan and the movie was fantastic or were you just a mid Elvis fan and it was like, eh, it was all right. 
Because I think, because I think that matters though. Like I was telling, I think it matters because I think if you're just the biggest Elvis and the movie is going to be fantastic for you. But if you just know a couple of songs, maybe the movie's not going to be as good because it doesn't do what normal biopics do. It doesn't go from beginning to end like, like they normally do. Like I said. Yeah, I am. You know, I've really, I've enjoyed a lot of Elvis's music since I was young and, um, I, I've been a fan of him. I was a fan of him for a while. And I think, you know, they had a lot of life to fit into like right. two hours. Right. So <laughs> it, it, they had a lot to fit into that movie. And I think Austin Butler did a phenomenal job. I don't think they could have picked a better actor. I will say this. A- I will say this. And I was... I was watching the movie again. It was the second or third time that I watched it last night. And I was watching it. And I go, this, you can watch this movie and not think you're watching a fucking actor. You're watching, literally, it's like they took Elvis Presley from the grave and they yeah. just put him in the movie. Like it's even Tom Hanks. I don't really yeah. care for his betrayal of Tom Parker, but it's like you're not watching Tom Hanks or this Austin Butler guy. You're watching the real people. And that, that was, I, I appreciated that. I was like, damn, they, they killed it. Well, and then there was like a scene at the end where I think they had the real Elvis, yeah, but I wasn't sure. Like I couldn't see, tell if it was right. Austin or him, you know? <laughs> and that's why, that's where I was like, damn, Austin really did a good job in this movie. Um, yeah. But you know, he worked so hard. I, I mean, I was reading about how he just like, like shut himself away from the world and only listened to Elvis. For like, a year and a half. For a yeah, year and a that's half, crazy. he shut himself in the apartment aligned his entire bedroom with nothing but Elvis watched nothing but Elvis listened to nothing oh but Elvis and I'm like this guy is even nutter than I am about this guy like he was he he takes yeah. <laughs> he takes method acting to a whole another level because even totally and I've noticed this in interviews and a lot of people are, have noticed it too like he'll do these interviews and he talks in a very subtle voice but then you'll watch other interviews and he's just like a normal person and it's like like it, it, it's whether he's faking the deep voice or not, it's just amazing that it had that much. It took that much of a toll on a person to play another person, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. He like became that he became him for sure. And so I think it did it. They had a lot of life to fit into that movie. So I don't think that there would have been a better way to do it. But I do think that to me, when I was watching it, I was like, this feels like a long advertisement for the movie that's just gone on for two and a half hours because they didn't really stop very often to like no it play was, into dialogue. It was very fast paced, and and that's and yeah. that's what I think a lot of people are not going to like because they're like it. It just didn't stop. It was boom, 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 boom. But as yes. you think about it, you're like maybe Elvis's life was boom, 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 boom. Maybe everything happened. I'm sure it was. Yeah, and and, and like you mentioned, and I've said this before. It, they have 44 years to fit into a two hour movie. They're not going to stop and point out every little, but you know how long of a damn movie that would be. That would be, that would be be a long ass movie if they could do every detail. But I just, I just appreciate the fact that they took a biopic. They, they took the outline of a biopic and they said, okay, we're going to tell a story that hasn't ever really been told before between a musician and a money hungry manager, because 
music business is full of that. Aerosmith, Kiss, uh, they've all had managers that stole money and, and treated them like trash like this. And so I appreciated the fact that they took an outline of a biopic and they just morphed it into, you know, what, what it became of. And people are going to complain. People are going to cry about it. But the fact is, it wasn't their movie to make. <laughs> like, I could have done it 10 times better. Once you go get $10 million to make a movie 10 times better than, you know what I mean? Like, go make yeah. it better. Literally, literally. So you mentioned in high school that you were getting hated on. So I wonder what type of person were you in high school and as you were younger? Like, were you just a punk rock kid? <laughs> I feel like I, uh, I was really rebellious and angsty. And um, I just kind of did my thing and didn't really care about what other people thought of me. And then I got to like sophomore year of high school and I really like, it all started to really get to my head. Like, I don't know, kids can be so mean. And so then, you know, I didn't really know who I was. And I think having moved so much was really difficult for me because it's like three completely different cultures. Like Massachusetts like the most loyal people you'll ever meet in your life but not very friendly at all and then you go to California and it's like the most friendly outgoing people that you'll meet but not very loyal and then you go to Spain and it's just like not even they don't even speak English there you know and it's like the whole culture is about family and like spending time with family and like eating food together and um, just like enjoying your life. And I love Spanish culture. It's such a part of me. Um, but, you know, I, I never really fit into the California culture and I was not, I never really felt like a Californian. And I think that that was really hard for me in high school. I felt like I had to be someone that I wasn't. And I really um, started to take on these like people pleasing traits I think because so much had happened to me at that point in life like my my aunt had died and she she basically raised me and like I like I just had gone through so much at that point that I was feeling so just alone and um I didn't really have anyone that I could talk to about it and so I felt I sort of embodied these like people pleasing traits because I was so like desperate to like make connections with people. Um, and I actually did end up meeting one of like my lifelong best friends at, in high school, which I'm really grateful for her. But the rest of the people that I met were just very, very, it was a very difficult culture to, to, um, to go to high school in. And um, I, I never, I still, I don't know, I don't really enjoy going back there because I just don't feel like I'm a part of that community or those people and um they're just not my people and I think there was there were a couple of people that really like did some bullying damage to me growing up but I think that it was uh you know I was really trying hard to like be something that I wasn't and I and I think that that um probably rubbed people the wrong way you know you know I I kind of feel the same with you as in like I was bullied like bad like bad and and i've have shared stories that have just will give me nightmares 
from my old self, like just reliving them. And so I, I'm with you. I can't, I will not go back to my high school. Like there's graduation. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not going, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's not, ju- but then you realize you grow up, you know, I've been out of high school. I'm 24. So I've been out of high school a while and you grow up and you're like, yeah, but they were just kids. But then you're like, but those kids did some damage that you can't really fix because you know, it's, right. it, it's tough. And you were just a kid too. Yeah. You know? you're just, you didn't do that. <laughs> I know. Why would you do, why would you do the same thing that somebody was doing to you and was making you miserable? You know, like, I remember one time laughing at a kid for some something that had happened and you're laughing at it and you just feel immediately bad because you're like, damn, I was that guy that was being laughed at. So like you just kind of mm-hmm. snap out of that that instant reaction and you and 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 you go to, you know, go back to normality as if damn, I was that kid before. But yeah, I wonder does your your childhood you mentioned you were bullied and, and you were just looked different upon. Does that, that has to kind of morph your songwriting and your, in your musicianship a little bit. Yeah. I think honestly, like the only thing I really had for a, a while was music and writing. And um, there was like, there was a, like a year long period where I had no friends. My dad lived in Canada. My, my mom wasn't, totally like in a great mental space because her sister had just died and like I was so alone and the only thing that I had at that time was was songwriting and music and um it really saved my life and you know I, I mean the songs I was writing weren't great like you could look back and they're not great songs but having that as an outlet was really just magical I feel like for me and it still is and I think that's why I, I you know I tell people like music is the love of my life and I've told my boyfriend I'm like you know I love you but I'm always gonna love music more 100%, music has saved my life 100%. on so many occasions and like and it and I'm sure that for the rest of my life it'll continue to save my life and I think it has that effect on most people you know so I think that's why what's so special about it give me your top three bands or musicians of all time I think, um, well, so the Strokes and Julian Casablancas are the reason I like started making music like that. Their band was like my high school band. So I really I have a deep appreciation for the Strokes. But I think, um, you know, Tom York and Radiohead has been Mm. one of my top favorites for a while. I like just he's a genius. That whole band is phenomenal um and I've been listening to the smile a lot recently which is his like new project I'm actually going to see them at the Ryman in December which is crazy um and then the Smashing Pumpkins for sure love the Smashing Pumpkins um I also think even though Billy Corgan is kind of not the best person I do think he's really talented yeah so do they do 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 they change like on a daily normal basis where you're like damn this is the best band of all time and then like three months past you never listen to them you, you're like you kind of forget about them and then it changes again and then they come back around you're like damn it that, that's right they, they are that good because i have that all the time <laughs> yes yes totally i feel like i 
you know, whenever I, I try and listen to a lot of modern music and like I, there's a lot of local bands that I've been really enjoying in Nashville. Um, but, you know, I always go back to like home base, which is those three bands. Now, does your like, can you go, what does your playlist look like? Can you go from, uh, I don't know, Counting Crows to a John Mayer, just in a normal playlist setting? Or do you kind of have moods where you're like, okay, well, while I'm doing this, I have to listen to this. While I'm doing this, I have to listen to this. Yeah, you know, I actually do have, my playlists are kind of separated by um, moods for sure. And when I'm writing, like writing um, poetry or like I wrote a book. And so like whenever I'm writing, like without music, I have to be listening to classical piano. <laughs> so yeah, I have hey, like a whole classical I, piano I have playlist. the same. I, I, I listen to when I'm doing research for a podcast or if I'm just studying in general, I will throw on some classic music on a playlist, some Beethoven, some Tchaikovsky. I, I throw all that on all the time and people think I'm crazy, but I'm like, no, because if you want to listen to music, I don't want to listen to somebody getting, you know, getting dumped or, or, or throwing a party or what have you. I want to listen to, to, to just straight inner, I call it energetic because it makes me energized when I listen to classical while I'm, while I'm doing studies. I mean, it's, it's, totally. it's a, it's a mind space you have to put your, you know, it's a, it's a mind space you have to put yourself in because it is weird listening to classical music because we're not 15, 1600s anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're yeah. in a time where, where great bands live and totally. Yeah. But, but I, I'm right there with you with the classical. Yeah. And I think, um, I think if I, when I listen to like songs with words, I get so caught up in the lyrics because I just love lyrics so much that I can't focus on what I'm doing. And, you know, I grew up like the first instrument I learned to play was piano and I was like playing classical piano. And so I think it just like kind of soothes me now listening to it because it's like everything that I grew up like learning how to play as a kid. And it's just so, I don't know, it, it calms my mind and it also like kind of like gives me something to multitask on so I can just turn my brain off and just like let the words flow, you know? Right. So what we are, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, Taylor Swift and Drake with some of your first concerts, but what's one of the <laughs> best concerts you've ever been to? One where you were like, I would relive that, that concert every day of my life if I could. Definitely the Beach Bunny concert at Brooklyn Bowl. Okay. That was insane. That was so, so much fun. I like, oh my God. Yeah, I would relive that. They just have, they do such a great job of like including the crowd and like getting people excited and, and getting people to sing their songs with them. And it's just like, you don't even feel like you're like separated from the artist. Like it's like you're all one. And that's what was so magical about that. Yeah, I mine is always and i've said this before mine is always kiss i saw them at the coliseum really? in biloxi and man they were because they've always been one of my favorite bands mine and my brothers kiss kiss yeah kiss kiss and aerosmith are like tied at number one i can't pick between the two because i know if i do i'm gonna break my own heart somewhere <laughs> but kiss oh comes on their final tour in biloxi and me and my brother and my brother's wife went and it was one of the most um, i cried during a concert chelsea i cried because it's just 
it's it's it was some, that good. Well, I don't know if it's that good or if it's just you don't know when like you don't know when your last day is going to be. Like, you know, like I could have died mm. on the way home and it'd been like, damn. Like what what a night yeah. that was. Like, you know, like when they played Beth on the piano and it was rising from the stage and it was it was a it was just an experience that I don't think I will ever experience again because I don't think I've indebted my entire life to any other musician or band. That's totally fair. Yeah, it's totally it's different when you have like a history with that band and like you've been following them and keeping up with them for like your whole life. Well, yeah, I mean it started because you were I wasn't allowed to listen to them because mom thought that was double really because Gene Simmons is demon because he's quoted as the demon. What? But yeah, I you know I I grew up Chelsea and this well known I. I I grew up not listen, not able to listen to anything but country music because everything was devil music. So what? I found all my music, like inspirations, like the Beatles and Aerosmith and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and all of those, I found them night, probably my freshman year. Like I remember listening to it, hearing it at my cousin's house, but not dare say a word going home. Don't say you listen to Ozzy Osbourne or you listen to no ACDC. Yeah. I mean, so it's, and that's, that's what I'm saying as the experience, as if you're listening to that and it's just, it's crazy what people will, 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 will make somebody believe like, you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I, shit, you better not touch them devil worshipers. Cause it's what you were told. I believed it. Your parents, they're not supposed to lie to you, you know? Right. Right. No, it's true. You totally like you spent, I feel like you spend like the first like 10 to 12 years of your life, just like taking in information from your parents. And then you have to spend the rest of your life unlearning everything that you learned for the first 10 to 12 years, you know, as we kind of wind down here, a um, couple more questions for you. And it's kind of on the topic of hodgepodgeness, I guess you could call it just, just, anything that kind of pops in my head and I wonder what's the last book that you've ever read? Like the last book you just put down. Ooh. Well, I'm in the process of reading one right now, but I guess I didn't. Okay. Well, what, what, what book are you reading right now? Um, it's, it's called you are a badass. My friend Kat gave it to me and it's just kind of like a motivational book, which okay. has been really awesome. It's been great. Um, but I really, um, I've started so many books and haven't finished so many of them. The one that I have read a couple times and will continue to read over and over again is The Alchemist. And I think that's probably the most recent one that I've finished. It's the most beautiful book I've ever read in my life. And is it is it like a fiction I, or is it I don't I don't know what The Alchemist is. I don't think. Yes, it's uh it's fiction and Oh my gosh. Okay. You're going to think I'm so dumb because I'm 24 years old and I still can't figure out the difference between fiction and nonfiction. Nonfiction is real and fiction is not real. Here's how I look at it. Here's how I look at it. It's how I, this is how I learned in school. Nonfiction is not fake. Fiction is fake. So non, okay, cool. nonfiction, <laughs> not fake is real. 
Fiction is <laughs> That's fake. what I thought. Yeah. I have such an issue with that. Like there's a couple things that just like that, that I, that I can't just, they just don't make sense in my brain. And that's like the main thing that just makes no sense in my brain. Um, but yeah, no, it's fiction. Um, but it's like a beautiful metaphor and I highly recommend, highly recommend reading that one. I've read, I read a lot of like spiritual books or like the four agreements and, um, like the seven spiritual laws to success by Deepak Chopra. I, re- I love to read like books to like help with my meditation and, and, um, just like practice of like getting into the flow state. Um, cause I think it helps tremendously with songwriting. And let me ask you a question. When you, when you're reading books, no matter what type of book it is, are you the type of person that will have a highlighter and a pencil kind of handy in case you want to jot something down about the book inside the lines? I always do that. <laughs> okay. See, yeah, I, I, I am with, I, I am with certain books. Like I, cause I am yeah. like very OCD, very like yeah. everything's alphabetical order. Everything's out. Everything is perfect the way I want it. But there are certain books where I'm like, okay, this has to be pristine condition just because it's, it's either my favorite or it's something. That's it's just, fair. But then there's other books where I'm like, wow, okay, this is a lot of information. Let me go through here and I'm trying to figure out, okay, like Walter Isaacson. He's one of my favorite biographers. He, he, write, he wrote the um, Steve Jobs. He did Albert Einstein. He did Benjamin Franklin's biography. And those books, I feel that I can go in and highlight and write in the margins that way I can, like, I have probably went through about 5,000 sticky notes because I will write notes on the sticky note and stick on pages that way if mm-hmm. i want to know something i don't have to read the whole page i can go back and look at the, the yes i am a pain in the ass to live with i will say that i am yeah. a pain well, I, I just because i just certain things like just like that like i'm just a pain like that because it's like like my brother come down and be like i want to borrow something and i'm like okay but if it doesn't come back in this exact condition that I have it in this protective sleeve, <laughs> you're going to have to buy me another one plus interest. Like it's, it, it's just, plus interest. I'm just a pain to, I'm the pain to have to deal with. Like I'm a germaphobe. I'm OCD. I'm, I, I it's crazy. So I wonder, <laughs> are you a pain to live with? And if so, why? And if not, then that's fair. I think Yes and no. I feel like I'm very good at communicating when I have issues. And that, that took me so long. To oh, get God, I'm not. Oh, God, I'm not. Oh, my I God. I used to I'm be not. so bad at it. I used to be the worst at communicating my feelings. I would just hide if I felt anything because I didn't want to upset anyone. But now I've gotten really good at communicating whenever I have problems, which is nice. Um, but I spent a long time also being like really OCD like everything needed to be spotless everything needed to be clean and I think living with um three dudes has really helped me to let go of that and to just like accept that like (laughs) not everything's going to be clean all the time and that is totally fine and I've gotten to a great place with it because it was like really getting in my head like I would not be able to get work done if things weren't clean right and I'm really glad that I've kind of like slowly started to let go of that. 
Um, Cause that, that was definitely a pain in the ass quality that I had to live with. And I think also I do very impulsive things. Like I operate very impulsively. Like I will buy a plane ticket tomorrow and travel to like, I don't know, like Spain. Like I, I really were operate in the moment and like, like I just, I just bought a van the other day, which was very impulsive, but great decision for the band. And like, I, I, I think that that is a little bit terrifying sometimes for my roommates because they're like, you are a very impulsive person. You need to just chill. But usually when I'm impulsive, it ends up being really good. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm I'm not the impulsive same way. Like I will major decisions kind of come quickly to me, like the decision making on major decisions are kind of like, okay. but if it's like what we're going to eat today or what movie are we going to watch or what we're going to watch on Netflix? it would take me three days to figure it out. Like it's, I'm, I'm not that yeah. type of person that figures something out, but majorly like, Oh my God, how, how the hell am I going to pay this bill this week? Like, it's kind of simple. Like, Oh, Oh, boom. Let's do it like this. I know exactly how to do it. Let's just do it. But then when it comes to some minor things, it's, it's very hard. Well, I feel like when it, yes, I get that. And I think like when you're like having to choose a movie on Netflix or like having to choose food, to order on Postmates. It's like you have so many options that you get so caught up in the options that you can't even focus on the result. So that's, those decisions are really difficult for me as well. Now, here's kind of how I live my life, non-choosing. Like I don't choose to live this way. It just, it overtakes me. I want to know if you're opposite or the same as in like, okay, let's say, let's say I'm reading this Elvis Presley book right now, right? Let's say if I sit down and I open it up, I'm going to start reading it for 15 minutes. My mind immediately is going to go, well, you know, you were complaining the other day about not being able to catch up on the TV show. You could have watched 15 minutes of the show that you spent reading. So then I will go, you know what? You're right. I'm talking to me. I'm like, you're right. Let's stop reading the book and let's watch the show. And then I'm sitting there for about 30 minutes and I go, you know, this 30 minutes that you've wasted lying on the bed watching TV, you could have been doing something studying or doing an interview or reading your book and it's just it eats at me every single day so like I can't do something without bashing myself I guess you could call it because it's like I don't know I don't know what you call I don't know what it is but it's just this every day it's another reason I'm a pain to live with I would think oh I get that I totally, totally can relate to that. I think that's why I can't watch TV often because I, whenever I'm watching TV, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am wasting my time when I could be creating, I could be making music, I could be writing, I could be producing, I could be doing anything else but watching this show. And I, so I, I, I totally feel that. I think like meditation has really helped me to just stay present in the moment and stay grounded. And it's, it's been a really helpful for that. Uh, but you know, whenever I'm watching TV, I can't, I can't watch TV because I get so mm-hmm. like stressed out that I'm not creating something, you know? Mm-hmm. What are your pet peeves? Do you have any pet peeves? Like what, while you, while you think I'll give you one of mine. It's okay. I love watching like the Gordon Ramsay shows like Hell's Kitchen or Master Chef. I for me those are entertainment at its finest for me. I could never go on that fucking show and I'll tell you why because if somebody says 
the rice that doesn't have enough salt. I'd be like, well, then you cook the shit then. I mean, I, I'm sitting here, I cook this whole <laughs> meal for you. I cannot take criticism when it comes to food because I feel that I worked hard on this for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. And yeah, it's one of my loves. I love cooking it. It takes my mind off of things. It just lets me do things. And obviously I like to eat. You can look at me and tell, but it's just one of those things. That's the pet peeve is don't judge my food unless you have something good to say. So I could never go on one of those cooking shows. Never. That's valid. That's never. valid. I mean, I think no way. It's like an art too. Cooking is an art and you know, people's palates are so different too that I, people like right. and dislike different things. And, and, you know, if someone's making me food, like I will not complain because I can't cook. So like anytime my boyfriend's made me food, it's like the best thing in the entire world because it's like, yay, I don't have to eat like a burrito today. Like I actually am going to get some great food. You but know? Do, do you ever so find like, that odd though? Like I know, think about this and the we're living in a world of sexism no matter what people think because mm-hmm. i always think sexist like when you hear of a doctor i automatically think of a man not a woman yes. or you think of a teacher you automatically think of a woman and not a man and when you mention that you couldn't cook i automatically think what woman can't cook but then you're like well we're living, <laughs> in, a, we're living in a new day of age where that's that's more common than not yeah i think um it's crazy. It is crazy. Like how much is just ingrained in us from, from the society that we live in. And, you know, it's, I feel like it's just like our duty as like the younger generation to just like actively be trying to unlearn those things. And so we don't pass those biases onto our kids, but like, it's, it's hard not to, you know, I think when, you know, and I, I, think that's also something that terrifies me about California is that like the people that I grew up around there are just as sexist and racist and homophobic as the rest of the country, but they all think they're so woke. And that is what terrifies me because it's like, well, if you think you're so woke, then you're not actively trying to unlearn those things, you know? And then they tell me, oh no, you're moving to the South. Watch out. And I moved to the South and it's like, you know, it's the same situation as everywhere else. People are, everyone's doing their best to try and unlearn those things and to not be that way. You know, I don't, I don't think you meet someone that's like, yes, I want to be sexist, you know, like, I don't think you would meet someone that wants to be that way. And so it's just, I mean, that's, it's a, it's an epidemic in our country. And I think as we're all actively trying to unlearn that, but you know, it's, you know, we, we're so close to like the, the, there really hasn't been a lot of time that's passed since like women got the right to vote, you know, like it's where it, we seem like we're so far removed from that, but we're not. So, you know, it's just, you know, what's, I I had a conversation with a friend the other day and I'm not, I don't want to get political. It's not about presidential presidents. It's we had a conversation about Roe versus Wade being overturned Mm -hmm. And I said, well, wait a minute, because if you look at all the board, it's a bunch of old men that are living in their times when it was illegal to do so. So they feel that they are still living in their time that they should still feel and do the same thing. Right. And I mentioned this. I said to a friend of mine, I was like, well, hang on. I know how we could 
throw a loop into this whole situation? Why don't we have somebody that is ballsy enough to go to these people and say, okay, sir, uh, Mr. Richard, what about that one time that you thought you had a pregnancy scare? And let's just say that one child, now, if you would have had that one child, it would have changed your life dr dramatically. And you probably wouldn't be in the situation you're in right now, sitting in that chair voting on this. And it's literally, it was, it's, it's just crazy. The world that we're living in and it's, and it's, you're right. It's, it's not, there's not just, it's not just racist and sexist in the South. I mean, hell, I went up North and they were just as rude as some of us down here are <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you know, it's just probably more rude, honestly. <laughs> I feel like probably. people at least are friendly here. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, I, I, I went, um, I don't remember where I was at, but I had said, yes, ma'am. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm in a Southern state of mind. I mean, I'm in Mississippi. Where do you want, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Which yeah, I, I will say this. And I want to know when you were growing up with your, with your mom and dad, were you, did you ever say yes, ma'am? No, no, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Or was it just yes, no. Yeah. I think I, you know, it's really interesting. Cause like the, California culture is a lot more disrespectful to your okay. parents and I okay. was not very respectful no, to my parents. No, I say that all. I say that because I I I don't say yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir. I just say yes or no. I, I, I because I feel I understand it's a respect thing and I say that to them all the time like I understand it's a respect thing. Yes sir, no sir. I, I understand that for southern but I also feel that if I'm saying yes, sir, and no, ma'am, or whatever to you, that I'm your slave or that it just it just has this weird feeling to me that mm. that that you're not my boss. So why should which they in a technical term, they are, but they're also your parent. So right. I don't it's just this weird thing that I'm like, I don't say sir or ma'am to my parents because I just there's a different feeling when you're in town or when you're in town or you're out. And someone asks you a question and you have the respect to say, ma'am or sir, but I don't feel the same about at home. Like, I don't, yeah, I, I don't see why it should be required that you say ma'am and sir in the South to your parents. Because again, I feel that they're obviously over me, but I kind of feel that we're one. Like, if that makes sense, yeah. like, because if you go out, totally. you're, you're not one with that one person that is in town or you see at the courthouse or whatever you, you, you're totally different if that makes yeah. sense no i i agree i agree completely yeah that's true that's a good way of looking at it i think like i did grow up like learning like how to like i, I still call all of my parents friends like mr and mrs right right name right is. and i don't know if i'm ever going to like is there an age that happens where you don't do that because i I don't know. I'm, I still feel like I'm like a kid. And I also was thinking about that recently too. Like people, when they start having kids probably still feel like they're kids, you know, like, do, do you, you ever stop feeling like a kid? I, you know, I, I love feeling like a kid. Like I have my same friend that I was talking about the road versus Wade thing grew up in a very strict, like Asian household. And he's like, dude, you have to stop acting like a kid. And I'm like, I, I'm 24. Yeah. I love it. Like it's it's just this crazy thing. And he's like, 
it's just it's just a matter of where you grew up where it's like you stop being a kid at 18 and you you grow the fuck up you you stop being you know a mom's child or a daddy's girl or whatever but me i still watch the same old cartoons that i watched when i was younger (laughs) like i just bought the box set of the um 1990s teenage mutant ninja turtles like and i will sit and i will watch that shit for hours on end and but yes i i will see people on facebook and like damn they're working on their third kid but then i'm like well wait i could be on my third kid i'm almost 25 years old like it's just yeah and i'm like i'm 25 i'm still i'm still at the house with my parents because i'm trying to save up enough to buy a damn studio for the podcast you know it's oh that's sick it's weird to see the priorities like Mm-hmm. that versus others because my brother has two kids my sister has a just had a kid six months ago wow and their sister's 18 19 my brother is 21 22 something like that no and way oh, so they're younger than you they're younger yeah i'm the oldest and it's crazy to see that my brother had a kid let's see three 19 my brother had a kid at 19 and it was crazy to see his wow. world change quick and it's priority to go from okay i'm going to stop buying this stupid marvel stuff online because i got a kid to save for versus me i'm like wow damn a kid i don't need a kid right now i'm trying to put the podcast everywhere you know and it's it's crazy the priority yeah and then i that i mean i can't even imagine i feel like having a kid you would feel like you have to save your money to like support your child i feel like the way i think i'm like I'm going to make some money. I'm going to spend that money. I'm not going to save my money because the world is probably going to end in the next 25 years. And I don't really care. But if I had a kid, my priorities would be so different. Like, I feel like I would definitely be more into saving money. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's why I don't really see myself having kids. ever. Yeah. I don't, I don't want kids. (laughs) I don't think I want kids. It seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if we were to have a kid, like, you know, you would have a kid or I would have a kid. I think we would figure it out because you have to figure it out. Yeah. But like, you know, like, I don't, I don't want a kid. A, I ain't worthy enough to have a kid. What the fuck have I done to have a kid? You know, I, I'm, yeah. And, and then it's like, eh, but if it happens, it happens. And you're just like, but it fucking can't happen because if it happens now, yeah. then I'm screwed. Like my nephews, <laughs> are, my, my nephews are everything to me, like literally. And it's, yeah. but I couldn't see myself supporting them 24 hours, seven days a week. And it's, it's crazy. No. It, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, We just got like a baby cat, a kitten. And that is so much work for me. I can't even imagine a child, you know? Yeah. Ch- children are next level. Like but then once like when I have my nephews, you realize just how much they mean to you. Like now, like my nephew would be like, I need some chicken nuggets or something. And then you know he can eat an entire chicken nugget, but you still want to cut it up because you're like, if this kid goes <laughs> to choking, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. I'm gonna freak out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I think that's also the beauty of kids too, right. is that like, you know, you still feel like a kid. And so when you have a kid, it allows you to like be that live vicariously through them and like be a kid again you know the um, coolest that, that's also something I've, but the, but the cool i was gonna say the coolest thing though about having my nephews is they will watch the same stuff i watched growing up 
and it will make me that's you know what i mean sweet. that's the coolest yeah. thing like they just started watching um oh my god they, they watched started watching so i can't think it's, it's blanking on me but i was like that is the coolest thing ever because it's that was tw- 25 years ago and you're watching it you know that's like so it's crazy yeah. and it's like well if you like that well, come to my Blu-ray collection because I have all the Marvel, or all the Marvels, all the Disney's. Come look, let's watch it, and it's crazy, but it's That's a beautiful awesome. thing, though. It is. It is. There's something I've never totally understood: is like when you have the amount of money to like build a house for yourself or buy a house, why don't you just design your house like with fun things, like indoor swings and slides, and like plants everywhere you know I've never understood why people like just like make their houses so like adult I don't know maybe maybe when I'm an adult I'll figure that out but I don't know if I could design my house it'd be full of swings and it's like like slides and fun things it's like that TikTok where it goes uh being an adult I have access to adult money so I could buy the adult stupid things that I want. (laughs) Right. If you have access to adult money, why don't you make your house super fun? Like, I feel like my whole house would be like a green room. Like in terms of like having sunlight everywhere. I understand. A greenhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Not like a green room before a show, but (laughs) a greenhouse. Yes. Uh, Well, look, Chelsea, we've been on over an hour. Uh, So you have a new EP um, out September 9th called quantum entanglement um yes your new single 555 is out everywhere now so um thanks for coming on the floor is yours you got out as many time as you want to to promote and put out anything you want to put out there to the public oh thank you thank you so much yeah we have our um album quantum entanglement which comes out september 9th which includes our single 555 uh and it's just sort of about finding like balance within yourself. It's like a long, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it'll, it's really, it's probably a piece of my, it is a piece of my soul. Um, and we've been working really hard on this album. It's been like a year and a half in the making. So I'm really excited for it to be out into the world. Um, and you can find me on social media at King Chelsea with no vowels. And then we're on Spotify. Just C H L S Y. Chelsea, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your people reaching out, wanting you to come on the show. Uh, it means a lot. And I know this is probably the worst podcast interview or interview in general that you're ever going to have. <laughs> but no. I think you're coming on, anyways. No, I thank you so much for taking the time to uh, interview me and talk to me about all this. This has been a great podcast experience. I've very much enjoyed this. So I don't know what you're saying. This has been, it's, it's nice to just like talk and not feel like, I don't know, I have to be super intense and just like have a conversation. It feels like I'm talking to just a friend, you know? And I think that's, that's like the ideal podcast. It's the point. Because yes. some people, <laughs> it's like, some people it's like pulling teeth and it's like, come on give me something (laughs) right no you're great at what you do and um i'm really excited to uh keep up with the podcast and i am grateful to you for having me on today all right chelsea i I thank you very much uh this is uh off the record this will go up um monday so a week from today so i'll tag you on all the stuff send it over to your people they'll send it to you the normal 
the normal stuff. Fantastic. But thanks for coming Fantastic. on. And um, we'll no, talk thank soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was great talking with you and meeting you. And um, yeah, we'll keep in touch. I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right, you too, Chelsea. You know, Dano's seasoning is changing the world one table at a time by offering the best all-natural low-sodium seasoning products on the market. Dano's goals are to provide you with real flavors to make healthier food choices without ever having to sacrifice the real taste. Dano's includes low sodium, which is only 50 milligrams per serving. It has all-natural unrefined sea salt. There's no sugar, no MSG, no chemicals and it's completely gluten-free. Also, there's 100% natural ingredients. Dano seasoning is the most versatile seasoning on the market. Grill, smoke, bake, create soups, sauces, marinades. You can also sprinkle Danos on your eggs, your potatoes, maybe some pizza, maybe some pasta, and even while you're watching a movie, sprinkle some Danos on popcorn. Heck, if you're crazy, why don't you put some Danos on ice cream? Any food that exists, you can put some Danos on it. Go to danoseasoning.com, use my promo code HodgePodge, capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. Guys, remember to do that. Um, just like the spelling of the podcast, a capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. You can try all three flavors, which include original, spicy, and hot chipotle right now today. It's damn good. Yum, yum. Get you some. We are sponsored by Ray's Energy. Powered by the enhanced refresh technology, Raise Energy delivers with a performance-enhancing energy drink that aids in the most often overlooked categories. Raise Energy targets focus, enhances your recovery time, improves clean energy levels, and boosts your stamina and hydration. Most importantly, each single can of Raise Energy has absolutely zero calories, zero sugar, and zero carbohydrates, which that gives you a smarter and more healthier option. You should not have to settle for an energy drink that contains more sugar and carbs than you can count. Opt for the number one fan-voted energy drink on the market today with Ray's Energy. If you want to get yourself a can of Ray's Energy, go to repsports.com, R-E-P-P, sports.com. Use my promo code HPP1000, HPP1000 at checkout, and you will receive a generous discount. (laughs) 